Welcome home. I'm Dr. Tama, a minister, licensed psychologist, and sacred artist. And this is Homecoming, a podcast to facilitate your journey home to yourself. While I will provide weekly inspiration and mental health tips, this podcast is not a substitute for therapy. I'm so excited you're on the journey. If you want to request specific topics or share your progress, email me at homecomingpodcasts at gmail.com. Also, after you listen, be sure to like, subscribe, and share. Let's begin. I'm glad you're here for another episode. We're going to focus today on healing emotional eating, healing emotional eating. Many of us have been medicating our pain and our disconnection from ourself with food. And this particularly can get heightened during holiday seasons. But throughout the year, we can have what we identify as food cravings that are actually much deeper than a food craving. But it is our heart, our minds, our spirits that are calling out to us. And I invite you to consider Sometimes when you are hungry, it is not food you are hungry for. I invite you to consider that you can be full of food and still empty. So we have to, we need to come to terms with what is it I am actually hungry for? What is it I am actually longing for? What is the true source of my emptiness? The emptiness that no matter what I eat or how much I eat, it it does not truly get filled. That it actually is not enough because it is more than a physical hunger. But emotionally, spiritually, mentally, I need to be nourished emotionally, spiritually, mentally. I have some pain that is uncomfortable to sit with. And so at times, the food becomes a distraction from my pain. That at times, the food becomes the object of my busyness. Because if I am busy eating then I will have less energy focused on feeling. And the reality is, often after the emotional eating, I end up feeling worse. We end up feeling worse. So in the moment or during, there can be some enjoyment or some satisfaction or the illusion of fulfillment. But any fulfillment that is so short-lived and followed by a bunch of other feelings is not true fulfillment. We come to terms on our journey home of the ways we have distracted ourselves from ourselves. We come to terms with the habits and relationships and conversations and even jobs that we selected to distract ourselves from the memories and feelings that would come up if we were still, that would come up if we were not caught up. 
And now that we have made a decision to come home to ourselves, I can take the risk of feeling my feelings. Many of us choose food to deal with boredom, to deal with stress, and to deal with trauma. With boredom, we often also have loneliness. So when I do not have activities or people that nourish my spirit, then I look for ways to feed myself in a way that will relieve the loneliness or the boredom, which is why one of the challenging times for people is at night. If I am working during the day, then I can distract myself with work, and there are usually other people around at work. But when I come home and there is not something I enjoy doing or someone I enjoy being with, or if because of my unhealed issues, I actually don't enjoy being with myself, then I am looking for relief. I am looking for something to entertain me. I am looking for something to fill me. And until I come to terms with my boredom and my loneliness, I will continue to pursue things that cannot really fill me, including food. So I invite you now to reflect on this life that you have created or this life that has been handed to you, this life that you are living. How bored are you? How bored are you with your work? How bored are you with your education? How bored are you in your current friendships? How bored are you in your relationships? How bored are you with yourself? How bored are you with your religion? How bored are you? When we start to tell ourselves the truth about what is missing, what is truly missing, then we can address what is missing instead of distracting ourselves from it. So how bored are you is an important question, not to just leave me in a place of despair, but so that I can mobilize because the reality is, if I am a frustrated artist, if I am someone who loves to love and have no one to love, if I am bored with my life because I don't see outlets for me to be who I want to be, No amount of food is going to satisfy that. But once I figure out and face the reality that I am unfulfilled, that I am living beneath my possibility, well, now I can start to tell myself the truth about what would I need to do, what would I need to add to my life to activate and to fulfill the neglected parts of me. What are the parts of you that you have neglected, that we have neglected while we were disconnected from ourselves? Not only asking how bored are you, but how lonely are you? And we had an episode on loneliness, and that can be in a relationship and lonely or uh, single and lonely. You could have friends and be lonely or friendless and lonely. How much are you longing for a level of intimacy that does not currently exist in your life? I need to to tell myself the truth about
about that because once I acknowledge that is really the longing more than the food or more than a substance or more than a drink, that is really the longing. Once I come to terms with that, then I can address that. I can grieve that. I can reflect on why that is and how I have ended up in this circumstance in matters of the heart. Not only does it often get driven by uh, boredom or by loneliness, but also stress. Many of us are very stressed out. And when you are very stressed out, you look for ways to give yourself relief. The stress gets pent up in our bodies. It gets pent up in our emotions and it gets pent up in our thinking. So it becomes hard to concentrate or focus. You might have body ache or heart ache because you are overwhelmed. We become overwhelmed by the stress. And so then we look for ways to reward ourselves. And what happens when I have designed my life in such a way where my only reward is what I can eat? And even when what I'm eating is not good for me, the distorted cognition is this is my treat. Can you imagine that? Like for some of us, the things we are eating are actually poison, but we have framed our minds such that when I work hard, I deserve a treat. And the treat and the reward is actually something that is harming me. So my gift to myself for job well done is something that is harming me, but tastes good. We need to really consider what are the ways that we can reward ourselves. What are the ways we can appreciate ourselves? What are the ways? How can I honor myself? How can I treat myself in a way that's actually a treat? right? And I know some of you do not want to hear some carrot sticks or zucchini, right? It doesn't feel like a treat to you. So thinking about if that's not it, what are the ways that I could really nourish myself, honor myself, celebrate myself? What would that look like? What would it look like so that my only picture of a reward is not actually something uh, that is working against me? So my uh, way of dealing with the emotions or the feelings of being overwhelmed uh, is to calm myself with food. And when that is my only way to calm myself, then it becomes an automatic, right? Because I am stressed out. Well, along with thinking about other ways to reward myself or soothe myself, I invite you to also think about what are the ways I am contributing to my own stress. Do you know that some stress is self-inflicted? Do you know that sometimes we create stress in our lives. We can create stress by not knowing how to say no. So we agree to doing too much. We can create stress for ourselves by continuing to be in stressful environments and deciding that we're stuck or we don't have a choice when we may have some choices. We can create stress for ourselves by being silent about our needs and our wants. And then we are frustrated because our needs and wants are not met and we are in a path of looking out for what other people want from us, but never tuned into what we need and want for ourselves, which is very stressful. 
We can also create stress through comparison and competitiveness. If I am always striving to be somebody else, if I am always striving to escape this person that I am, that is stressful. It is very hard. It is very hard to live from a place of falsehood. It can feel easy, especially if we have been doing it for years, but it is actually labor. It is labor to take on a character and to live on stage, and that creates stress. So I invite you, as opposed to just thinking about cutting back on emotional eating, I wonder what it would look like to cut back on stress. What, what would I need to eliminate or change about my life so that I am not perpetually stressed out? Sometimes it is the tasks that have been handed to us or that we have taken on, but sometimes it is our perspective. Can we be honest on today about the things that we stressed out about that weren't that deep? (laughs) Can we be honest on today about some things we lost sleep on that in the grand scheme of things we really should have gone to bed? Can we be honest about our growth? That there are some things, I hope, as you've been on this homecoming journey, that there are some things that used to stress you out that really don't have that power anymore. So when we talk about reducing stress, it is not just limited to uh, taking on less responsibilities, but even for the things that I need to do, let's say for my job or for my family or for my health, to shift my perspective so that everything is not a catastrophe. In psychology, we have something called catastrophizing, where we, our minds, can make everything into a disaster or everything into a potential disaster, which requires that level of vigilance and stress, which is unsustainable and which is unhealthy and what, which lead us to look for ways to soothe our stress that sometimes sabotage our health. We want to, for your homework, Think about what we can do this week to reduce your stress. So that may be saying no to more things or changing your perspective about the things you have said yes to. So we've talked about boredom. We've talked about loneliness. We've talked about stress. And the last one is trauma. Many of us turn to eating, emotional eating, to soothe our distress and the facts that we are traumatized. And this pattern often gets put into place early. And what can help solidify it is trauma plus silence. So I learned to literally eat my pain. I learned to literally hold in my words and my feelings and to help stuff them with food. So emotional eating is sometimes out of feeling powerless, hopeless, believing that we are ugly, believing we are unworthy, believing there's nothing special about us, believing we will never be chosen, believing we will never be good enough, believing the lies that the trauma taught us about ourselves. And so both trying to soothe the memory 
and trying to soothe the psychological and physical impact of the violations. And those experiences that have been silenced within us are perpetually calling out to be seen, to be heard, to be acknowledged. And in order to ignore that call or that pull of the trauma requires us to stuff ourselves, to sedate ourselves, to medicate myself. Because if I am not stuffing down the memories, who knows what might come up? If I am not sedating, numbing those feelings of despair, those feelings of depression, those feelings of anxiety, those feelings of unworthiness, then I would have to come face to face with the reality that it's not okay and that I am not okay. I would have to then come face to face with the reality that there's a lot of pain in there, that there are a lot of unshed tears in there, that there is a lot of emptiness and disappointment for the ways in which not only you were violated, but the ways in which you were not comforted, the ways in which you were not nourished or nurtured, the ways in which you were not protected. And to give space for that to come up is quite a task and quite a feat. And many times we were taught in our own families how to do everything else but feel what you feel. So notice we're not just talking about eating this week, but the emotional eating that is driven by unexpressed emotions, unfelt emotions, and that did not happen randomly. We were often taught that it was not safe to feel what we feel, that it was not acceptable to feel what we feel. And so you looked around to see, well, how do other people manage to just stuff their feelings and move forward? So what did you see when you look around your family life? Were people stuffing it with food, stuffing it by drinking, stuffing it with busyness, stuffing it with gossip, stuffing it by spiritualizing everything? What? did you see in your house of what did the adults you observe do with their pain? Or did some people stuff it by taking it out on you, that their despair became your despair, that they would displace their frustration and their anger on the most vulnerable? And in this season of our healing, we give ourselves first compassion instead of judgment or condemnation, about why is it food has become what it has become in my life? How is it or why is it that I have spent years of my life trying to medicate my emotional pain with food? And once I come to terms with that, once I can see that, well, now... I'm ready for some healing to begin because as long as I am launching from a place of judgment and condemnation, I cannot fully heal. But when I have some insight and some understanding about how did I land here, 
What is it in my life that led me to this place? And yes, we have choices along the way and our choices have been shaped by our circumstances. Our choices have been shaped by our role models. Our choices have been shaped by our awareness. There are some things we were not even aware of. So to be tuned into the ways that I have been distracting myself, well, that already begins my healing because I can see what I couldn't see before. So at this point, we begin to see the truth, not only about what I do, but why I do it. So many of us have felt deprived, have felt malnourished, not just physically, or for some not even physically, but we have been malnourished emotionally, malnourished spiritually, malnourished intellectually, malnourished creatively, and so we have the urge to fill ourselves. And because many of us were never given an understanding or a language for what that longing was, it felt like, and we named it, hunger. I think it will be a breakthrough for you if on today, starting today, we can ask ourselves before we reach for something, what is it I'm really hungry for? What is it I'm really longing for? And some of you will say, well, I know the things that are missing in my life, but they're not available. So then I just have to quote unquote treat myself. But we also are aware that that quote-unquote treat, that temporary fix, does not actually fill us. So then I have to do the long-term work of what will it take for me to have a more fulfilling life? What is in my capacity to do to nourish myself and to create a more nourishing life? I know that many of us around emotional eating feel out of control and a lot of shame. So we break shame on today. We break shame around trauma by speaking it. And we can also break shame around emotional eating by speaking it. I wonder if there is anyone in your circle that you would feel safe enough to share that this has been a struggle. I wonder if there is anyone in your circle where you could speak truth to about the ways that you have tried to fill yourself with things that were unfulfilling. And if there is not a person, I encourage you to journal it, to write it down, because even in the writing, whether we share our writing or not, it is liberating to speak or write my truth. It is liberating to speak or write my truth. And then around this issue of being out of control, we need to be mindful of what we keep in our houses. Because when we are trying to discover new ways of dealing with boredom, loneliness, stress, and trauma, the tendency is to go to what we know. And so it helps me if the thing I usually use as my go-to, but it is not in moderation, um, if, it, if I do not have easy access to it. 
So are there some things that you need to remove from your house? Are there some things that you need to stop buying because it is a setup? And only you can answer that. We answer it for ourselves because we have to know ourselves so that we can create an environment for our healing. So keeping around the thing that pulls me in a hole is very dangerous and not supportive of my healing process. It's almost like if you're breaking up with someone and it's really hard, so you have to like block them and remove their number from your phone, right? Like, cause you know yourself. And if you can easily reach out or they can easily reach you, it's gonna be very hard. So the same thing about emotional eating for those of you who are listening, who it may not be emotional eating for some of you, it may be emotional shopping, It may be emotional drinking, whatever it is for you that you know is blocking or creating a detour from your healing and homecoming is I need to reduce access, right? And then being mindful of what are the ways I am going to feed and nourish myself. What are the ways that I am going to care for myself? Can I tell you that some of this stuff is a slippery slope because, for example, uh, foods that are high in fat and sugar, which are often the ones we go to for emotional eating, they actually increase cravings. So the more you eat them, they are designed, right? It's by design. The more you eat it, the more you want it. And so being aware of not only the psychology, but the physiology uh, to be aware of the way chemicals are working in my body that may be working against me and against my wellness. And all of this journey we do with self-compassion. So I invite you to set for yourself an attainable goal around whatever it is you have been using to numb, to medicate, to sedate your emotions and your pain to set a an attainable goal, meaning it will be progress from how you have been doing things, but it is not such a leap from where you are that you're setting yourself up for failure. I am excited about the ways in which we have the courage and the bravery to face ourselves. Because here's the thing, homecoming is not all dances and songs and poetry and joy. To come home to myself is also to come home to the pain that I have denied. To come home to myself is also to come home, to come uh, to terms with the needs that have been unfulfilled. To come home to myself is to come home with the truth. And the truth is not always beautiful, but it is true. So I honor you on today for your willingness to take a look at anything in your life that has provided an illusion of healing, an illusion of wellness, an illusion of homecoming that was not real. Because when I can see the fake, then I can see the real. I invite your soul to tell your heart, mind, body, and spirit, welcome home. <music>